Hello, hello. Welcome to Love, Joy, and Languages, a podcast about loving languages and finding joy in learning them. I am Heidi, and man, I just have to say that I am so thankful for your all support. I appreciate every bit of feedback I receive and the experiences you all share with me on social media. If you have a moment this week, please stop by whatever platform you're listening on to rate and review the show, even just a quick note that lets others know what you think so I can reach more language learners who need in on these conversations. So let's get into what I want to talk about today, which is imposter syndrome. And this is going to be a two-part series because there's just so much to talk about. This is a very large and much researched topic, especially in language learning. Now, I've started this episode probably a dozen times. I've been thinking about creating an episode on this topic for months. And even though imposter syndrome is something that's very prevalent in my life and has been for decades, it's been so hard to find the right approach to talking about it. A few weeks ago, my dear friend Elle at Speaking Tongues Podcast shared a comic in her Instagram stories that led us to chatting about imposter syndrome for a bit. And after a while, she hit me with a bombshell question. She asked, how do you handle imposter syndrome now? Whew, I had to sit on that one for a while because how does anyone handle imposter syndrome? So after giving it a lot more thought, I think I found the approach I want to take to discussing this phenomenon and answering Elle's question. Today, I want to focus on connections to imposter syndrome, certain things that are common in language learning that, from my perspective, may be linked to imposter syndrome. And next week, I'll discuss things I do to actively work against feeling like an imposter. But first, I'll back up and talk about what imposter syndrome is, just in case any of my listeners aren't familiar with the term. Imposter syndrome is a phenomenon in which people believe they don't deserve the praise or acknowledgement that they receive for what they've accomplished or achieved. People with imposter syndrome often feel like they're not as proficient, skilled, or intelligent as others seem to think they are, and that eventually someone's going to uncover the truth, that somehow we're just faking our way through life and someone will soon discover that we're frauds, that we really have no idea what we're doing, despite evidence to the contrary. Imposter syndrome is definitely prevalent in the language learning community, and many of us experience it in multiple areas of our lives, especially when it comes to education or other academic spaces and in the workplace. Imposter syndrome is something I've experienced for decades, and the first time I heard the term, I knew exactly what it was because it perfectly described how I'd felt about myself in school and in the workforce for years. That's probably not surprising given everything I've said about my perfectionism in past episodes, but lately I've started to see imposter syndrome from a bit of a different perspective, and it all started with my conversation with Elle. Since that initial chat, I've started seeing links between certain aspects of language learning and imposter syndrome. As I said, imposter syndrome is something that's very common amongst language learners, and I won't dig into why people think that might be, but I will leave several links in the show notes if you want to explore that topic more. But as I've been thinking over this topic very specifically these last few weeks, I've started noticing conversations, thoughts, and ideals within the language learning community that, in my opinion, sort of breed imposter syndrome. Things that I think can easily lead to this phenomenon in a person's language journey, even if they've never before experienced it in other areas of their life. I've come up with three cases of this that I want to talk through today based on my observations, and I'd be very interested to see what you all think about these potential links as well. I'll start with the one that I think is kind of the most obvious. 
I talked in episode 25 about the word fluency and how becoming fluent isn't something that's defined by a specific point in time. And I want to start there. Many of us, and perhaps all of us, at some point in our language learning journeys have said that we want to be fluent in our language. But because fluency isn't something concrete, it isn't achieved at a defined point in time after learning an exact number of words or studying a fixed number of hours, because of these, it's difficult to really define fluency. Of course, everyone has their own idea of what fluency is or when they feel they'll be able to call themselves fluent. But I think the idea of fluency, particularly as a goal that many of us have or have had, can set us up to feel like imposters. Think about it. Let's say you want to become fluent in a language, but fluency can't really be defined. There isn't a level that's widely accepted as being fluent. Yet one day, you reach a point where you can easily have conversations in your language. You can chat about a wide range of topics, use an assortment of sentence structures, other speakers of the language clearly understand you, but you still make mistakes, you come across words you don't know, there are advanced verb tenses left to master, more complex sentence structures to work on, you can't speak easily when you're angry or upset, and on top of that, you know or know of people who are fluent in this language who can do these things. So calling yourself fluent doesn't feel honest. You feel like an imposter using that word. You may even feel like a fraud speaking the language. Like, can you really say you speak the language when there's so much left to learn? So you keep going. You keep making progress, keep improving, and your spoken language becomes more fluid, broader, fewer mistakes, and you again consider whether or not you're fluent, whether or not you're now a speaker of the language. Yet, you still notice all your mistakes, there are still words you don't know, you have an accent in the language, and still, compared to other non-native fluent speakers, you don't feel like you measure up. So still, you feel like an imposter, like you're not really fluent. You don't see yourself as actually speaking the language. And because there will always be mistakes, there will always be someone with a better command of the language or who has worked on their accent, and there will never be a specific moment when you can definitively say you're fluent, you never quite feel legitimately fluent. Inside, you feel like a fraud, like someone is going to call you out, tell you that you aren't fluent, you don't speak the language. Do you all see the link I'm drawing here? The connection between indefinable, unquantifiable goals or end states, such as fluency, and feeling like an imposter? With vague ideals, such as fluency, being so prominent in language learning conversations, I feel like it's no wonder so many of us in the language learning community experience imposter syndrome. And the second link I want to tie in here today is kind of along the same lines, and it has to do with labels or titles. Think of all the labels, titles, names, identities we take on or strive after in our language lives. Things like polyglot, multilingual, language learner, Korean speaker, Polish teacher, language coach, linguist, language influencer, or what other titles have you considered for yourself? How can these titles, these labels, connect to imposter syndrome? Well, with each label comes expectations, stereotypes, biases, particular characteristics we would use to describe a person or people we associate with the label. And these characteristics or expectations aren't universal. They're subjective. Let's take the term language learner. What does that mean? Well, I learn languages. 
for me, it's mostly for fun, not because I have to. I self-study Italian, German, and a bit of Korean with the guidance of resources and tutors. Maybe you study languages in a classroom or school or university, but we're in the process of learning at least one language. What other characteristics define a language learner to you? Recently, through the hashtag LangTweet on Twitter, I've seen a lot of questions about what it means to be a serious language learner. Do I have to be a serious language learner to be able to call myself a language learner at all? Do I have to study my languages every day or study a certain number of languages? Do I have to stay committed to my languages at least until I reach a conversational level? Am I still a language learner if I take a break? If I put my languages on hold while dealing with other life events? Can I still call myself a language learner then? And if I do, will it feel right? Or will I feel like a fraud? Like I'm not allowed to use the label language learner if I'm not seriously, actively studying. There's a line that I think we have to be aware of here where labels are more than just words we use to describe ourselves. It's the line between defining ourselves by the name, by the label, and defining ourselves by the characteristics and expectations of that label. When we heavily value those characteristics of a label, that's when we open ourselves up to imposter syndrome. If I just say I am a language learner, it feels accurate. It fits. However, I define that term isn't important, and I feel honest about calling myself a language learner. But if I say I study languages every day, I study each language until I reach an advanced level, I never put my languages on hold, language learning is my life, then I don't feel so honest. These descriptors of me as a language learner are misleading, fraudulent even. Do you see the difference? Giving ourselves labels or defining ourselves by certain titles is fine, but if we don't carefully confront our deepest thoughts about what those labels mean to us, what characteristics, actions, or achievements we consciously or unconsciously expect of someone with those labels, we can easily find ourselves feeling like imposters, even if we have a legitimate claim to whatever titles they are. So that's the second language learning issue or subject matter that I link to imposter syndrome. First is fluency or other vague, undefinable goals. And second is the underlying expectations pertaining to the labels or titles we strive after. And the third thing regarding language learning that I think has a very strong tie to imposter syndrome is comparing ourselves to others, or perhaps more specifically, to our language idols. And you may laugh at this, but I definitely have language learning idols. Heroines and heroes in the language learning community who I very much admire, respect, and am a bit envious of in their language achievements. Think about it. Who do you admire in the language learning community? It can be a very healthy admiration, someone you look up to, appreciate their guidance or perspectives on language topics. Maybe you use them as motivation to keep going, keep progressing. But what happens when someone we admire and respect becomes someone we idolize? We put them up on a pedestal, which then, in our minds, puts them in a completely different and superior category than we'd put ourselves. Their language accomplishments and the things we admire about them are now unreachable for us. Comparative thoughts creep in. Things like, I'll never speak as many languages as them, or I wish I could speak Spanish as confidently as them, or they've been doing this language thing for decades longer than me, so I'll always be behind. And these comparisons are a gateway to imposter syndrome. When we hold others higher than ourselves, we aren't capable of seeing ourselves as legitimate. 
we feel fraudulent being placed in the same category. If we take the biggest names in language learning, some of the most recognized language learners around the world doing amazing things in their languages, people like Lindsay Williams, Kirsten Cable, Richard Simcott, Steve Kaufman, Lindy Buotes, Ollie Richards, and then we try to place ourselves on that list with them, how does that feel? Do I feel like I deserve the title of language learner when put up against these more accomplished, more well-known language learners who have been in the game for many years longer than me? Not even close. And I respect and admire every single one of them. I enjoy their content, and I gain so much from the work they're putting out into the world. But I also mentally put them in a higher category than myself, which instantly makes me feel like a fraud. Within the language learning community, I'm not on their level of number of languages spoken, content, courses, and conferences they've created, or years of experience they have learning languages. But that doesn't make me any less of a language learner. I'm not an imposter calling myself that just because others have done it longer or made careers out of languages. It's the idolization and the mental creation of status. Putting the most accomplished, longest-serving professionals of our field on a pedestal And believing that if we aren't in that highest category, then we aren't legit, it's that that I believe can lead to this phenomenon of imposter syndrome. And those are the three main areas of language learning that I think have really strong links to imposter syndrome. But here's the thing. When researching about this, I couldn't find one resource that made these or similar connections. I found so many resources about imposter syndrome in language learning, Lots of discussions challenging the word fluency and talking about why it isn't a good goal. I listened to podcasts about using labels such as multilingual or polyglot and what that may imply. I read about and listened to a ton of content about the dangers of comparing ourselves to other language learners. But in none of that, in none of the articles, blogs, podcasts, or videos, did anyone mention a connection between these things and imposter syndrome. But honestly, I think I'm onto something here. Whether these three things I mentioned today lead to imposter syndrome, intensify imposter syndrome, or stem from it, I think it's important to connect the dots. Imposter syndrome does nothing good for us. It keeps us in a place where we feel inadequate and unworthy. It robs us of the pride and joy we deserve to have for our hard work, for how far we've come and what things we've achieved. And I think it holds us back from progressing because it keeps us more focused on perfecting lower level aspects of our language instead of reaching out for broader topics that will advance us faster. And imposter syndrome tells us that we'll never make it. We'll never get there, wherever there is, because there is too far away. And we aren't the kind of people who make it there. So next week, I'm going to give my thoughts for thoroughly answering Elle's question of how do you handle imposter syndrome now? I'll let you in on the words I shared with her, and I hope to give you a fresh perspective on dealing with imposter syndrome. Because to be perfectly frank, the advice I find to just let go of perfectionism, track your language progress, and identify your strengths just doesn't cut it for me. Not when it comes to imposter syndrome. I need some deeper conversation and more practical tips for addressing this. So I think today has been a good place to start because if we can identify connections between imposter syndrome and other common aspects of language learning, then I think we're closer to handling it. I may not be able to completely overcome imposter syndrome, but by completely forgetting about the word fluent, 
I feel much more in tune with and accepting of my true speaking level, and I am genuinely comfortable focusing on progress instead of fluency. I may not completely overcome imposter syndrome, but by naming the characteristics I personally associate with certain labels, I feel much more confident using a label that does apply to me and, even better, letting go of biases or myths regarding that label. I can call myself a language learner without the underlying fear that someone else will think I'm a fraud. And finally, I may not be able to completely overcome imposter syndrome, but bringing my language learning idols down from the pedestals I've placed them on and seeing them simply as other humans who also love learning languages allows me to access a bigger world of possibilities where I'm equally as capable of learning languages and there are no comparisons to make. My journey is mine, their journeys are theirs, and they're all valid. Each journey is legitimate. That's all my thoughts on this for today, but I hope this starts some really deep conversations this week before finishing off with part two next week. If something I've said really interests you, speaks to you, or gets the wheels turning in your head, please let me know. I really want to hear your perspectives and thoughts on this as well. And pay attention to other language learning discussions you read or hear this week, because it'll be interesting to see if others start noticing connections like the ones I talk about here today. I can't wait to hear from you. I wish you a wonderful week of joyful language learning. And until next time, ciao.